the human body is is an a master of energy allocation and what i mean by that is we have a finite amount of electrical output on the cortex of the brain we can produce a certain amount and that's it per second certain amount per second so what that means is that in order to function as humans we create patterns that very energy efficiently direct electrical energy down neural pathways and then the things that make us you know human happen this happens from everything from your heartbeat to your breath to your digestion and your thinking and everything that you've ever known or learned because we have a finite amount of energy our body doesn't build patterns that are already established again and our body networks all patterns so we are the most efficient not the happiest not the sanest the most efficient so what that means is no pattern in the body ever gets lost or dies unless you have a stroke right then something cauterizes because they're all interconnected and so your tension in the pelvic bowl might be connected to you being able to drive a car pattern let's say right so if we would cauterize that particular pattern maybe you couldn't drive a car anymore or whatever right this is a silly example but so you will never be able to get rid of patterns that have been created however because we are so energy efficient our body will send the energy onto the patterns that are newer and better developed because the bigger the road the less friction there is meaning the faster the energy can travel the less energy you need if you have like an overgrown little path where the where the brain has to fire an enormous amount of energy down a fairly you know not well trodden path that's not an elegant way to use the energy we have so you can use that to your advantage when you have traumatic things and behaviors that are old because they are well they are well um established till you establish other things once you establish other things the energy will go from the you know trodden path to the new and better path that might be even more energy efficient so while you can't make those patterns go away and your teacher is right in the sense that when you want to discover something or abolish something that can't be abolished you're using a lot of energy for things that you could use for other things your teacher is right there right um in the context of the more you press um you know the energy through a pattern that's old and um tedious as it is right because it's not nice to be that blocked and you have to push so hard to get the 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 sound out of your throat when you are that clenched up here right that it takes a lot if you can divert the energy that excess energy somewhere else where it's better used your body will go yeah cool 
let's do that. And then when you do that repeatedly, that becomes the new dominant pattern. And the way to remember this um, is that if you have a piece of paper, like one of those beautiful, let's say, Japanese handmade papers, right? That those thick ones. I know you had some really nice shit over there in your corner, so you appreciate nice things, right? So you have one of those nice pieces of paper. It's completely clean, pristine, whatever, right? Then you bunch it up, and it will have all these creases. Well, if you know what you're doing with paper, you can actually iron those out. And you'll take a soft, wet, lightly wet cloth, certain kind of heat, that beautiful handmade paper is straight again. And you look at it, it's perfect. The moment you put a little bit of tension on the edges, the creases come back where they were before. Those are our tra that's how trauma patterns are. So you have a twofold approach. You divert the energy from patterns that are no longer useful into patterns that are more useful. And you avoid pushing on the creases that are established. So when your teacher talks about coming into yourself and kind of centering and whatever, you know, I don't know what kind of meditation you do, but it, but there is, there is some truth to it as in that's not pushing on the edges, right? There's many ways to do that, more embodied, less embodied ways. Meditators always want to dissolve everything while doing nothing, you know, and for some people that really works well, for other people it doesn't. You could also do techniques that, uh, give your body space so you don't push on these edges, right? So it's, it's up to you. If you are a good meditator and this works for you, then you can actively imagine that you're taking the hands of the, uh, the edges of, that, of those creases, right? And then you create space in your body and in your psyche so that, that there is no push there. But now you have access to different parts of your body where that doesn't register. Right. So when you stop wiggling, you go back to that existing pattern of thinking that you're damaged. When you do wiggle, you realize that you're not damaged at all. It's just very conductive. Right. So the wiggling, you can do this in different ways. You can tap, you can wiggle a little bit, you can just press your foot on the ground. So the wiggling and the, the engaging with your extremities and then eventually also learning how to work with your pelvic floor a bit more, you know, very subtle motions and stuff like that, is a means of distributing the energy into, pa into existing positive pathways, embodied pathways, away from the knot and the tension and the clench. So when in doubt, wiggle. Right, something. <laughs> and that will keep your attention in the areas where the energy needs to go versus bringing the attention to where you don't want it to go. Right? Energy follows attention. If you put attention on the knot in your throat, you'll get more of a knot in the throat. If you go, yeah, yeah, whatever, then you have a chance of actually meaningful, um, meaningfully distribute 
the excess energy where it's needed, particularly your pelvic bowl. So yes, it can be done. We just did it without any trouble whatsoever. Instant. Right? So you're not damaged, fucked up, or irretrievably broken from those patterns. You just have bad habits of sending the energy back there. No. That's, that's really all there is to it. And so your practice is to constantly keep that, you know, it doesn't, like I said, it doesn't have to always be the wiggle, but always keep those four points, your toes and your fingers alive, particularly when you get stuck, right? It's always, you're like Spider-Man with your traumatic energy, right? So you can imagine that. You can imagine shooting it out your toes or shooting it out your fingers or, you know, along on the rafters here, you know, like whatever, whatever you need to do so you get yourself out of the habit of congealing around these things. So if we can do it instant with a little bit of practice, you can undo the stuff permanently. Now, right now, if we stop, right, it goes back because it, it's not established yet. But if you just work with that for a little while, it will totally reverse the flow in your body. And with that, you're no longer stuck there. Will it always be there? Yes, absolutely. That's not a problem. That's just being human. But you don't have to crease the paper and you don't have to put the attention there. I would say in general, yes, there is real value with, in working with the body on bodily or, or related to, you know, traumatic injury. Absolutely. However, sometimes that's not necessary when you can actually bring the, bring the attention of the knot away from the knot. Right. So, for instance, um, I had a guy work on me for a while. I had something very specific happen, and I had a guy work on me for a while who did um, uh, what is it called? Uh, craniosacral work, but internally on my in my pelvic floor, and so there was there was no pressure or no pushing or anything. But he was a really, really, really good upledger, original upledger trained craniosacral person and all he'd do is put a finger somewhere that didn't move anything and then my entire system unwound a thing I'd have the craziest like visuals like it was like a trip you know like a total trip and I did a bit of that till I understood that my body was actually able to dissolve these things without somebody even having to be there I got kind of the sense of that it's like it felt like a spiral that unwound itself right in the pelvis that it often feels like that and then I could just I can do it now I can just think about that happening and it's like you know when you blow up a a balloon and then you let it go and it goes you know like that you can you can just think about it and once again diffusing the energy outward 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 so is it good to do certain things yes 
the caveat here, and this is the this is why I'm saying there is always a caveat, is that when we have stuff, specific stuff that's in a specific location that's connected to traumatic experiences, there is a chance that we replicate the same shit in the attempt to heal it. So I'll give you an example. Um, trying to come up with an, a, a valuable example, not just some random thing. Oh yeah, here's a good one. So I have dental trauma. I had some very, very um, traumatic thing happen to me as a young child with a dentist um, who later was convicted and ended up in prison. So um, I wasn't molested or anything, not that I know of anyway, um, but I would know, I would think. But I had, I had some real violent things happen to me in a dental office. So obviously, I don't want to go to the dentist. Because I had this dental thing, I have to be extremely careful that I don't give authority to people in that field um, out of the pattern of having been helpless as a child. So my constant um, vigilance is that I don't agree to things without triple asking if it's really necessary that I really educate myself. I just found out recently that you can have um, anesthesia without the epinephrine in it, which I never knew, which always freaks the fuck out of me when your heart starts beating like crazy. Right? I didn't never knew that. You ask questions, you ask more questions. So you find out these things. So because I have to advocate for myself massively in a dental office till this day, even though I'm now a grown woman and not five, I'm always on the edge of fight, not flight anymore, right? Because I'm no longer a flighter. I'm a, I'm a massive fighter when it comes to stuff like that. So, but within that, of course, I run the risk of being victimized by my own aggression. If you know what I mean. Meaning, if I'm too aggressive with the dental hygienist, I'm going to get victimized by the dentist or by the staff um, based on my own behavior, hence reinforcing my, my trauma. Right? Because then they're not going to talk with me, and then they're not going to, or they're going to treat me roughly, or they're going to gaslight me, or whatever, because they consider me difficult. Hence, I'm once again in a position where I'm not um, empowered in my choices, right? So I'm saying this to say that your, your perpetuating of the thing happens in the way you screw the energy back into that pattern, right? Trust that what you're feeling is what you're feeling. Trust that you know the way out of it, but the, the way out of it is already in your body. There's nothing anyone needs to do or give you that you don't already have. That's at the core of that trauma, is that you somehow think if you do something else, it's going to be okay. It's always been okay. And you got it in the, in the least 
rah, 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 you got it, you got this kind of way I can say. You, it is native to your system. Your system knows how to get out of this. It's doing it as we're speaking.